There shall be showers of blessing. This is the promise of love. There shall be seasons refreshing sent from the Savior above. Showers of blessing, showers of blessing we need. Mercy drops around us are falling, but for the showers we plead. There shall be showers of blessing, precious Reviving again over the hills and the valleys, sound of abundance of rain, showers of blessing, showers of blessing we need. Mercy drops around us, are falling, but for the showers we plead. There shall be showers of blessing, send them upon us, O Lord. Grant to us now a refreshing, come and now honor thy word. Showers of blessing, showers of blessing we need. Mercy drops round us all. shall be showers of blessing oh that today they might fall now as to God we're confessing now as on Jesus we fall showers of blessing showers of blessing we need mercy drops around First Corinthians chapter two verse nine. But as it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. But God hath revealed them unto us by his spirit, for the spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man <clears throat> for what man knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of man which is in him, even so the, the things of God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God. Now we have received not not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God, which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned, but he that is spiritual judgeth all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. For who have known the, heart, the mind of the Lord, that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Been talking about the Ten Commandments a good bit. Just a quick, I promise, a quick recap. We have uh, 
looked at the Ten Commandments. We have looked at our need for the Ten Commandments. And we've looked at what happens and what has happened in our world today because of the lack of respect to the Ten Commandments. Uh, we have taken them out of our schools. We have uh, taken them out of our courthouses. We have basically, as a nation, taken them out of our lives. Mankind, by nature, wants to make his own laws and rules. Therefore, he feels good about himself when he keeps his own rules or his own laws. But we've seen that the Ten Commandments, and they have not been done away with, they have been fulfilled. Jesus Christ fulfilled them in his life. He never broke one law. And by his own explanation of the law and how it applies to us in our life, he never wanted to break one law. He's impeccable. He never desired to sin. We've seen that he did not inherit the fallen nature from Adam. Why? Because there was no man involved in his birth. But the Holy Spirit hovered over the Virgin Mary, and the Lord was conceived. All right? So what happened on the cross? What happened was he fulfilled all of the Old Testament ordinances that pointed to him. They were right because God instituted them. God designed them. They were the right thing for the people to do as they worshiped God. But they pointed forward to the greatest event of all time. And that was Jesus Christ who came to this earth and lived 33 and a half years on this earth impeccably, if that's a word. He didn't sin. He didn't want to sin. He fulfilled God's command to keep my laws. He fulfilled them. When he was on the cross, he did away with the penalty of sin that was due to you and to me. We inherited it naturally. We're not sinners just because we sin, but we sin because we're sinners. And we were born that way. We did inherit that fallen nature from Adam. All right. So we've looked at the Ten Commandments as being God's moral law for his children. And we realize that as we attempt to or strive to walk in his path or to be like him, that these moral laws actually represent God's moral character. It's how he is. He's perfect, holy, and righteous. And he has put within us this desire that we have to be like him. We know because he has shown unto us the things of the Spirit. We read 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 12. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. 
which things also we speak not in the words of which man's wisdom teaches. Remember, man's wisdom is derived from a fallen nature and a mind that is imprisoned to that nature. So we don't follow man's wisdom, we follow God's wisdom. Not in the words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Ghost teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. All right. Yes, God's moral laws are alive and well. Yes, they do represent the moral nature of the Lord. All right. Then we went into a bit of a study on how can we be like Him. On a day-to-day practical basis, how do we live like Him? And we came to the conclusion that the way we are every day, the way we act every day, the way we feel every day, begins in our mind. It's how we think. How we think about God. I just read that we've received the Spirit of of God that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. How do you know that He died on the cross for you? Because He's shown it to you. He's shown it to you that He's a personal God and that He didn't just die for some people. He died for you. And God reveals that to us, doesn't He? All right. Now the last verse of what Brother Gene read for us, we are in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 16. For who hath known the mind of the Lord? Again, in our daily walk, where does our day start? When we wake up, we start thinking about something, don't we? We do. It starts in our mind. So as a uh, logical explanation of having the mind of Christ, we have to look at how we're thinking. Number one, what do you think about God? Number one, do you believe In God, do you believe that Jesus Christ came as God yet in the flesh and fulfilled God's requirements for you? You believe that? Well, if you do, you can praise God because He showed it to you. We are told over and over that the natural man cannot understand that. He cannot have that confidence in his mind and heart. But we can because the Lord has shown it. Verse 16 says, For who hath known the mind of the Lord? Nobody. He's God. Brother Chuck said that he knows every hair that falls from your head. He's busier than some of us. And he is others. But he knows. He knows it all. He's incredible. It's amazing. The Creator. And his ways, they're amazing. For who hath known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? Nobody. 
But we have the mind of Christ. How do we have the mind of Christ? Well, when He saves us, He puts His Spirit within us. He gives us an affinity. I know I use that word a lot. I'm not sure why it sticks in my head. A drawing unto Him, a love for Him, a need for Him, and He shows us that we need Him. The mind of Christ. We have the mind of Christ. How so? We realize by the revelation of God, of His Son to us, He's revealed Jesus Christ to us as our personal Savior. And so we realize that God is a sovereign God. That if there's one God and He's over A-L-L all, we don't even know how many universes there are. Our God is so great and past finding out. But however many they are, they're His. And He is over all of them. All right. The mind of Christ. Well, what do we mean by the mind? Well, we've got a brain. And it thinks. But what we're talking about here. It's the intellect, if you will. The process of thinking. What do we think? Why do we think the way we think? And what do we do with what we think? The intellect. Our intellect or thought processes are to be like His. What did Jesus always do when somebody wanted to pin glory on him, is he, or, or uh, what do you call it? Where he came from, where he began, he always pointed to his father, didn't he? He gave God the glory, didn't he? So that's how our mind should work. That's how our thought processes should be lined up. Number one, God. Genesis, first chapter, what does it say? In the beginning, God. Before, over, above, any and everything else. That's how we should think of Him in our mind, in our intellect, in our thoughts. And we have to put Him first in everything, don't we? I said something from the pulpit a few weeks ago uh, about me and when. Before we got married, she told me that she loved me and I loved her. But then she said, but I love God more than I love you. And I had to say, back at you. And that's important that God is number one. To begin with, where? In our thoughts. Because our thoughts lead us to do what we do, don't they? Yes. And what are our thoughts based on? Praise God, they're based on the Word of God. Even on the Ten Commandments. Are they necessary? Do we need them? Absolutely. Our lives stand and rest on the moral character of God. And that moral character of God is displayed and given to us in these Ten Commandments. All right.
see where we want to go next here. All right. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. How do we have the mind of Christ when we face uh, difficulty in our lives? When we face decisions in our lives that are important to us? A lot of times the decisions in our lives affect others and their lives. How do we have the mind of Christ? How do we have the comfort in our hearts to know that we're following His way? What would Jesus do in this situation? Hebrews chapter 12. Let's just read the first four verses. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Okay? So we're running this race. What does that mean? That means we're living our life. We're walking through our life. It begins every morning when we wake up and start thinking, hopefully about God and His plans for us for that day. All right, we're running the race. It's set before us. How do we do it? Verse 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. You have this desire for him. You have this love for him. He authored that. You believe in him. He authored that and freely gave it to you. And praise God, the Bible tells us he's not going to lose one of his children. Not one. So comes into effect, he is also the finisher of our faith. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. That's hard for my little finite mind to get a grip on that he saw the joy beyond the pain. He saw the joy beyond the death on the cross and the three days in the tomb. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him... That's the number one thing. Consider Him. In whatever you're thinking, and whatever you're going through, and whatever you're worried and or wondering about, consider Him. When we consider Him and what He went through for us, our problems just kind of lay down, don't they? And we don't dwell on them anymore, and we're not worried about them anymore, because we know that he did it for us. And he paid the entire price for us who did not deserve such a thing. For consider him, verse 3, that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you be wearied and faint in your minds. All right. Now turn with me to the book of Luke. 
in chapter 9. Luke chapter 9. And it's a big chapter. Luke 9, and we'll begin in verse 22. Luke 9, 22. Now these words in my Bible are in red. So we don't have to wonder if the person who said this knew what they were talking about, do we? We don't have to wonder if the person who said this knew us or knew what we needed to be like him. Verse 22. Luke chapter 9, saying, The Son of Man must suffer many things, he's talking about himself here, and be rejected of the elders and chief priests and scribes. See, he saw the future before it happened. The same way he saw the joy set before him and endured the cross, okay? The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be slain. He knew what was coming. And be raised the third day. And he said unto them all, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, but whosoever shall, will lose his life for my sake, the same shall save it. If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily. What happened on the cross of Calvary? What did Jesus do on the cross of Calvary? Well, you might say not much. He was nailed to the cross. Jesus gave us a perfect example of taking up our cross daily. Let him do what? Deny himself. Jesus was perfect. He didn't have to die for himself. He didn't sin. God said with an audible voice that people heard, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. He went to the cross and he denied himself. And he did it because he loved you. And he stood in your place before God the Father. And he took your beating. He took your crown of thorns. He took your death on the cross. What a Savior. What an example. What happened on the cross? What did the Lord do? He fulfilled the entire Old Testament that pointed to him, didn't he? He did. Something changed when he died on the cross. Before that time, mankind needed a high priest to go into uh, holiest of holies to meet God for that person. But when Jesus died on the cross, he did away with that. The veil that separated the people and the high priest from the holiest of holies was ripped from top to bottom. You see, access was given 
to us to Jesus Christ. We now have direct access to Him. We have His mind and He lives within us in the Holy Spirit of God. How do we take up our cross daily and follow Him? Well, to take up your cross, it takes place where this spiritual battle is taking place that you're in every day. And that is in the mind. Where do we take up our cross? It's in the mind. How did Jesus do it? What did He do on the cross? He denied Himself, didn't He? He denied Himself. When thoughts that are not pleasing to God come into your mind, you simply put those thoughts to death on an inward cross, as it were. You deny those things the way Jesus denied Himself for you. But in denying Himself, He was rightfully God and man in the flesh. Yet, he hung on the cross, and I believe he was separated from God the Father. I think that's why he cried out, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? We know that God is wholly righteous and cannot even look upon sin. And Jesus went through that for you. The control of our thoughts is the beginning of our daily walk being dependent on the Lord. It's His command. Take up your cross daily and follow me. And we do that by mimicking what He did on the cross. He denied Himself. He put to death what? Sin. He put sin to death. That's what we do in our thoughts when we take up our cross daily. There's a roaring lion who is roaming the earth right now and he's seeking whom he may devour. And he's your enemy. And yes, he will come into your mind and he will try to thwart the mind of Christ that you have. But praise God. We're going to have trouble in the world, the Lord said. But we can be of good cheer because He has overcome the world. And that includes Satan and all of your enemies. God has already defeated Him. You see, God sees the future. Well, we can remember to see the future too because we have record of it right here. He's coming back for us. He's not going to lose one of His children. He is a tremendous and powerful Savior. So how do we honor God's Word in keeping the Ten Commandments? We do so by having the mind of Christ. We have the mind of Christ because Jesus, because Jesus in the 
person and in the person of the Holy Spirit lives within us. He's with us. You're never by yourself. You never are. He's always with you. And we exercise this having the mind of Jesus by controlling our thoughts. How do we do that? No matter what you're thinking, consider Him. We just read it, didn't we? Consider Him. And when you do, your thoughts will go back to Him. And your thoughts will be in control. Who is it that's ultimately doing this? It's the sovereign God of the universe. That's who. He's in control. He gives you His Word. And it truly is spiritual food. Spiritual nourishment. As you consider Him, you are strengthened. How? By the Holy Spirit applying His Word to you. And you have confidence now. You're standing on the Ten Commandments. You're standing on God's Word. Because you know that no matter what your mind or somebody else's mind may think up about God, His Word is correct. Everything in it applies to you. That's a fact. May God bless the reading of His Word this morning.